I was just on a flight, you know, Qantas, for example, Jetstar, Virgin. They don't serve an Australian coffee. They don't serve an Aboriginal tea or an Australian tea. Forget Australian tea, an Aboriginal tea. And they're saying Qantas, spirit of Australia. And if you really meant that, you would know what the true spirit of Australia is. Raw, a podcast by Lightspeed and Poe. This is a podcast about the highs and lows of running a hospitality business. In collaboration with the Poe Network, which you've come to know with a conversation amplified. We have frank and open discussions about the state of the industry from the best leaders in hospitality. We aim to capture the extent of how far conversations can go. Uncensored, stripped and genuine, powerful and grounded in confidence. We unpack the unique first-hand experience from the experts tackling the very real and at times intense issues in our industry. Now let's get into today's show. Today we have a very special guest, the owner of Grow Cafe Co, Zachariah Buckley. Now Grow Cafe Co is revolutionizing the way we think about sustainable and socially responsible dining by not only offering delicious locally sourced food, but also supporting small-scale farmers and bringing the traditional community values of Aboriginal Australia into this cafe group. I'm excited to have Zachariah with us today to share his story and insights for the future of the hospitality industry. Hey, Zach, how are you? Good, thank you. How's everyone going? I think everyone is going well, and I think they're going to go even better after this podcast recording, my friend. So, Sounds good. Um, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Now, let's Let's start out by talking about, you know, the mission and the vision of Grow Cafe Co because it is very different to many other brands in this space and then how it all started and how you became a part of it, my friend. It's cool. Um, it's concept is in its name. So Grow and for green, regional, organic whole foods. And so essentially within each one of those letters, we're literally trying to bring that out inside the cafe. So, for example, the green, we literally have fresh, uh, we have real plants on the tables, like basil, chocolate mint, parsley, uh, a really interesting one that I like is lemon balm. We've got some strawberries, rosemary, I've already said that, parsley, chives, what else have we got? A few other things, sage. So, we, we, we make the, actually grow the plants inside. But then we go a step further. We also have a farm that grows bush tuppers. Um, at the moment, we've just got lemon myrtle growing because I'm Aboriginal. We grow these bush tucker teas. Reason for that is a very increasing dem- size demand, but the and there's, it's a profitable. It's a, there's a profitable margin in this tea, so. Well, I'm just trying to do good things, but we're also trying to make money also at the end of the day. But the reason we're doing that is because mm. it all links back to my heritage all, and it gives us it gives us a really good story to tell behind something that's exciting. The smell of the lemon myrtle is really beautiful. You can have oils, candles, all sorts of stuff that gets created from it. And it allows you to venture into different worlds that you get to talk about with other people. Um Organic, so we do, that's pretty simple. We we try to use organic where we can. Very, very like a lot of people go really strict on something. We're not strict on organic. We just do organic where we can. So 
It's like if you ever go on a diet, whether it be keto, vegan, vegetarian, carnivore, whatever it is, going 100% I don't think is too healthy because it's too hard on your on, on your day-to-day life. You know, if you accidentally go somewhere and you traveling outside of your normal scope, it's hard to stay strict on diet. So we're like an 80-20% rule on, on these things. 80% we're trying to do it, 20% we're forgiven for it. So we then go to uh, regional. Well, sorry, regional was next. So we got regional. So trying to make sure that the distance between these foods going places is reduced. So we're not trying to buy something from uh, another state if we can get it 30 minutes down the road. And very much that is the case. It just means you have to order ahead, maybe an extra couple of days. Uh, or you need to go and just kind of search those things out, maybe buy in bulk or something. So we, 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 we show that initiative and we try and then tell stories around using a local honey brand or, or whatnot. Furthermore, we've got whole, whole foods. We're just trying to use whole foods. So our relishes, uh, our, we've got a chili jam that we use, all with whole foods. We've got the foods itself. Uh, we don't use even just down to the salts and peppers on the on the table. We're not using. We're using proper cracked pepper. Just things like that. We're trying to keep as many of the foods whole foods. And our philosophy is not to stay healthy. It's actually just to stay nutritional. So you know you will the food that we're dishing out now in cafe in the cafes. It's, you're not going to lose weight really eating the, the food in the cafe unless eating our bush spice chicken salad. But it's got good food value in it and that the flour is whole, whole foods. The whole flour is whole meal and the you, you're getting fresh fruits on it. You're getting garnishes on it that are from tables. So it's just that little bit extra nutritional value than what you would normally get and as the least amount of processes as possible and we're not using industrial oils in, in in like frying and things like that we're using olive oil coconut oil uh, so it's just and step above step behind help really healthy you could say but still very nutritional mm-hmm. so that's great is there a reason why you haven't gone down the sort of full health line and 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 that kind of thing and focus on whole foods instead i mean a lot of brands will focus on health being a key pillar of what they do and they'll go into you know macros and micro uh, micros a lot and really really deep for their customer segment is there a reason why you haven't decided to do that uh yeah the real simple answer is i don't think everyone wants to be really healthy um i'm super healthy myself to an extent but i'm always going to have a cheat day and I'm not going to, you know, give myself a massive laugh because I accidentally ate our ice cream. So it's it's we're trying to be as realistic as possible when it comes to actually how you live your life. You know, no one's super strict all the time. So there's no reason the business needs to be super strict in that, mm. and and the cafe needs to have a super strict menu. So that's where that thinking comes from because it's not realistic so we just wanted to have a more realistic approach where you know when you when you slide a little you're forgiven that's all mm. and people 
people in regional areas, a lot of our cafes are in regional areas and a lot of people simply are not healthy unless they live in more major cities. This is the truth also behind our business model. So we need that little bit of unhealthiness. Mm. What's the reason why you have gone to regional sites rather than do, you know, inner city sites in the major cities so far as you've grown the brand? Yeah, so it grows a franchise and we actually sell our cafes under management. So we sell them, run them under management for overseas immigration. And so we'll sell a shop, but uh, essentially... If a shop is in a metropolitan area, the investor has to spend almost 25, 30% more on the, on the actual cafe itself um, to be able to be eligible to get a triple eight visa. So we've found that there's a big appetite for opening shops and selling them under management in regional areas. And this has been a big kind of relief in opening shops so we've been getting these good nice big healthy cash injections to go out in the marketplace go and buy shops open them go on there sell them and run them under management so the regional just seems to work and australia is such a big place that regional places aren't really that regional you know so you take queensland for example sunshine mm-hmm. coast is regional you take sydney for example you go out to penrith it's regional, so that's kind of kind of that's why we're we're going for a regional cafe. It's good money. <laughs> how, how did you come across that kind of? How did you come across that kind of model, Zachariah? Because like that is that is a pretty unique kind of concept in itself. Like it's but it's very very intelligent how you can actually scale the brands, especially in these kind of tough times, in order to get employees and and then in franchisees. Um, how did you come across that model? You you know what? You're exactly right. Like. It's it's actually really hard at the moment to get good employees and it's difficult. So that that pain makes it gets you to venture out. But I wish I went out I wish I could say I went out and searched for it, but I stumbled across it just like luckily from a business partner who basically was selling a cafe and then got hit up by a migration agency and said, hey, can we buy this from you, but can you run it for us? And I think this model's been happening for quite some time. I just think that a lot of people don't have, who can operate a cafe, don't have a salesman or a entrepreneurial mindset, so to speak. And so they're kind of missing the opportunity that it's extremely profitable in doing a lot of them and you could grow a massive brand through this kind of model but if you sold one two three of them i think sure you'd make a bit of money but it's not going to be life-changing and the amount of work you would do just to operate three of them without being able to create a big head office and scale it i think it would it would you'd you'd fall on deaf ears so it needs to it can't really, this model can't really be done small. It can only really be done big. And at least over 10, 15 cafes would be the minimum. Where it would really start to be quite profitable. Um, because you just need, you need, you need a CEO that's going to run it. You need a general manager. 
You need managers who care about their store's profitability. You need to be able to oversee them. So you have to be very strategic on where you open them. You can't, don't want to go, like, for example, in in terms of strategy, we've got one that's been a problem because, for example, in Brisbane, it's cheaper to fly to sun- from Sydney to the Sunshine Coast than it is to fly from Sydney to Brisbane. And for me, I've got a lot of connections in the Sunshine Coast. So opening cafes on the Sunshine Coast is a lot easier than it would be in Brisbane. Um, but we've got one in Brisbane. So now there's an hour drive. And now I've got to always do that hour drive if I'm to go and grab. Um, so... Instead of hiring a car, I've got a lot of family on the Sunshine Coast. Borrow one of my, whether it's my brother, one of my, um, like my father's car or whatever. I drive to, drive to Brisbane. Now I'm in Brisbane, sure. But if, like I said before to you when we're starting, I needed to fix something in the cafe, save myself about $10,000. i got to get those tools from, from my father. So I come here doing that. So it's operational kind of cluster needs to be very stra- strategic to yourself uh, it's just strategic for me because I grew up on the Sunshine Coast again in Penrith mm. we, we've already figured this out um, and we're doing a good job of it um, but yeah it's it's definitely uh, needs to have a strategy behind its logistical uh, challenges more so than anything because if you were doing mm. these out and about and with great distances in, in in between, it'd be too difficult. Just simply too difficult. Mm. And without the right business partner, or or without the right people as well. Um, so let's talk about some of those logistical challenges, especially around supply chain. Um, you know, obviously everything you've just stated, you know, in this podcast so far is about you know sustainability and making sure you've got a really great um, food base that you're actually using for the product range. Um, how are you creating that supply chain that's really close to the stores and then focusing on that bush tucker um, that we've talked about as well because that must be an ongoing challenge for you in these times? Yes. So we bought a production kitchen in Marrickville in Sydney and a production kitchen in Sumner in Brisbane. The whole Brisbane location is purely stumbled across but the Marrickville and Sydney region is very deliberate. Um, so in order to kind of go past three cafes, we found it very difficult because chefs want to do their own thing. So what we've done is we've gone, okay, let's go crack, we buy this production kitchen and then it brings the food to those cafes and so that there's some really good standards of um, SOPs around actually delivering that food and keeping it very simple but consistent, it's really the only way we can go further with the model and scale it out, to be to be brutally honest. Otherwise, it's really not that possible um, because of just how I think the culture in Australia and the lack of immigration that we've had on the lower class, um, like immigrants here in Australia, like students who are trying to do a university here, working visas, that hasn't really picked back up yet. So where Australia, unfortunately, doesn't have a hardworking culture where I think 
you could just have easy access to great chefs, great front of house staff that can just upsell cakes. Like I hate using examples like this, but I was in my cafe today and I made a cake for the customers and I sold it within like two hours of me being here, maybe less. Um, I sold it. I sold it actually much quicker than that. I was here for two hours, but I started. I started getting behind the pod system, and I sold it in about thirty minutes. Once I was actually behind. Wow. Another one was then made, and only two slices of it got sold for the rest of the day. So about three hours, four hours of the day. So you know, there's not even people who have that zest to upsell and and drive revenue through your till, um, mm. which is something that's frustrating because I come from a sales background, so. I just, I sell everything and I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm really good at it and I can just pump, uh, people's, I can persuade people to buy what they, what I want them to buy or at least give it a good crack. And yeah, that doesn't really exist. So it's hard to kind of scale unless you have just a very simple model, um, or at least you can cut costs in some areas. So you, yeah, the production kitchens worked out very handy in delivering food to the cafes there's good margin in it so unless you have a production kitchen also you can't send produce to the to the kitchen and make margin so the franchisee pays for that for your for your produce so you're making you're making money on on that sale and then when they sell it obviously they're making money and then you've got your royalties on top so you're taking a clip on kind of every on everywhere which way but it's just a necessity, but it's also exciting. It's in hospitality is something mm-hmm. that a lot of people have not become accustomed to is contracts. So if you have a production kitchen and you want to deliver, you get a contract for a hundred kilos of pasta every week, let's say you've just made that sale, but it's recurring in your business for maybe the next two years, three years or 10 years. And so that sale you make today brings revenue to your business for a long time. In hospitality, mm-hmm. you go out. You go and run initiatives. You go and set up a birthday, um, get a get a free meal on your birthday, create a full full uh, customer journey, marketing EDM system. Like it's a lot of hard work to get that person back in. But getting contracts is really easy in the in the production kitchen world. So you can actually, as someone like myself, mm. I can work to my strengths. Pick up a phone. Do a hundred phone calls, maybe make ten thousand dollars worth of um, revenue for that month for the next twelve months. So I've just made the business one hundred and twenty grand for one day's worth of work. But if I go and spend my time in a cafe, I'm underpaid. <laughs> I'm undervalued in that in that respect. <laughs> you know. So it's it, but you've got yeah, to have both. Like we're making money on both. It's just like you got to have. You got to kind of have both. Mm. So, is the production kitchen that you've got in Marriottville is is that supporting the Grow Cafe brand plus other lines, or is it just supporting Grow at the moment? No, so it's a it's it's. I'll tell you the name. So it's called the Pasta Factory. It's very very successful, okay. um, popular, really great brand of of uh, pasta. You've bought the production kitchen. It already has its own contracts, its own customer base. It's already a successful company. On top of that, our cafes will buy produce from them. So it's instant income revenue straight away off the bat. 
Mm-hmm. But then we also have products mm-hmm. and, and things that we're going to then grow, like uh, produce out of that kitchen and distribute. Okay. And then, well, I should also add the fact that there's a lot of catering you can do out of a production kitchen. So getting good contracts uh, in Marrickville there, we're really close to like the Sydney Roosters, um, a bunch of businesses. We we have a good relationship with um, the Sunshine Coast uh, Lightning netball team who are owned by the Melbourne Storm mm-hmm. and Bonza, the airline uh, sponsor of the Melbourne Storm. So mm-hmm. in the near future, we should be looking at getting uh, actual our food potentially on airlines. Wow. And so those recurring contracts. So that's the, that's the whole, that's when like um, myself, it's really valuable to the business is connecting those dots and making those strategic mm-hmm. things occur. I mean, you know, a lot of people just don't go and hunt in the hospitality game, but you know, it's so easy. It's so much easier than trying to sell electricity or financial services. Like it's, you're just selling food. You're just saying like, hey, you want my food? <laughs> yeah, try it. Yeah. Eat it. Yeah. And then they eat it. And then they're like, oh, yeah, maybe we could do something. Okay, cool. Give me your number. Like, do you, what do you, how much do you want? I'll send you an invoice. I'll send it out. What's the address? Cool. Like, the sale is easy. It, it's, it's, it's not even selling. It's just giving the person the least amount of resistance to being able to acquire your pasta or acquiring your food. And you just you just cut down the difficultiness for them and tell them how much they got to pay. It's a really easy thing to sell. So what are the what are the biggest challenges for you right now, Zach? Like how are you overcoming the challenges, you know, with with grow as you actually grow the brand? Growing too fast, like is has been right. our biggest challenge. We've opened up a lot of cafes and the each cafe right now has needed my attention to be able to either get better or grow literally or Mm. to pull them out of the red and get them back into the green and so it's quite frustrating when you've kind of grown too quickly and you've got to backtrack you've just opened a cafe Okay, why the sales dropped this week on that cafe? Okay, it's dropped because you got to literally go in. You got to go. Okay, this person on the on the POS system or wait times have increased by X amount. Um, I've just tried that. It tastes terrible. Why did no one say anything? Um, I went to I went to for example one one instance was like sometimes employees just gaslighting you and it's. It's just it's just frustrating because you really don't mind that there's a problem. You just want to solve it. But then they, you, you hear all the lies first and you're just like, I really don't mind, but I just want to solve it and move forward. And instead, they, they come up with all the excuses under the sun. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's a lie. But what I found is... is <laughs> Is that, yeah, you just got to um, come back in 
to the cafe and, and literally get inside of it again. And that's very difficult when you're trying to be strategic and think about its higher level of growth. Um, but that's, the, that's been one of the challenges. Um, look, everything else has been pretty simple. Selling the cafes, really easy, really simple. In the, the market, there's an appetite, really big appetite for people to come to Australia. And one of the things that people don't realize, you know, whether you're a conspiracy theorist or whenever you re- whenever, is that the living conditions overseas are terrible compared to Australia if you have money. And the people coming to Australia are ones with money. And if you live in Australia with money, it's a really great lifestyle. You can wake up in the morning, you can go to a cafe, have a coffee, do a couple of hours of work, do the books, go back, go home to your family. And if you've got money, it's a great place to live. You don't have to worry about someone stealing your shit. You know, sorry if we can't swear on this, John. Don't have to worry about someone stealing your stuff. You don't have to worry about the government coming in and taking everything as long as you've not done anything illegal. Everything's kosher. So your places like China, places like India, places like Brazil, where gangs could come and grab your stuff in Brazil, for example, or criminals. You've got a place like China where the government can come and turn a millionaire overnight into a homeless person. And you've got somewhere like India where just the living conditions just aren't that nice. And same thing with China, but but India doesn't really provide these amazing living conditions like Australia can offer an opportunity. And they've got all this money, and if they took it, brought it to Australia, they'd probably make more and more money by being able to have the money to go and grow their, their, their previous parents' fortunes, really. So I hope that answers the question. certainly does um i guess we get to the final question now i'm super interested how you're going to grow this brand um and especially because it does have a different kind of path than a lot of you know cafe brands in in the same space right you're doing this um outer suburban uh regional kind of concept which i think is incredibly smart how are you planning to grow the brand in 2023 and beyond now how well it it may not actually it may not actually grow um we have to kind of be ready for that potential of going past maybe seven to eight cafes uh that's just a harsh reality it may it it might actually become too difficult to have a chef front of house kitchen hands and still make a profit um, so we actually have to confront that. So we have a backup where we will have other models that are a bit more like your typical subway or actually more like your GYG model where it's really, really consistent, amazing food, slightly higher price point than someone like McDonald's. Um, but your food comes from a production kitchen, the spices are consistent, the sauces are consistent, you know, like Nando's. You're going to love your food. So almost fast food, but definitely on the higher end. So mm-hmm. we've we've realized that these guys who do grow big are more like that. So we may have to go shift into that sort of model, but we'll still maintain all these philosophies from grow. We'll still have, we'll still have, we'll still be very green in making sure our waste management is, is good. 
will still be very regional in the way we we grab food to our kitchen and distribute. We'll still be very organic, making sure that we're only using organic meats if we can, and the whole, and everything in the sources will be whole foods. We will avoid trying to buy tomatoes from from Italy and use Australian tomatoes, for example, you know, sources. So we've already the grow is kind of like our philosophy. It's our life. So it's brand or its philosophy is kind of how we just want to live. And so it's going to have to be ready to be shifted potentially into a different direction because we're already seeing problems in being able to scale cafes. It's, there's too many moving parts. And it's just, it's just, it, it's, I'll, I'll, here's, a, here's an interesting mindset shift as well in our business model is that if you own one or two, two uh, venues, a lot of people want to maximize the profits inside a venue. In our philosophy, or in our model, we don't really need to maximize. We just need to systemize. So we need every venue making about two, three, four thousand dollars profit a week, and striving past that becomes almost unadvantageous to make that extra thousand mm. because the money for us is in opening more stores that are doing good and it's not doing necessarily great or fantastic that makes us more model money in our model and allows us to expand so we just need things to do okay to be honest when we don't have investors that are looking for massive returns we're looking they're looking for permanent residency so it, it's it's funny because uh it's a different mindset shift but we um, our product is really australia that we're selling it's not cafes um we're just doing a very roundabout way of giving them the thing they really want mm. the ha, owning a restaurant is also a very chip on the shoulder egotistical thing called uh things for these investors if you own um any com store you can't really show it off you know what i mean so if i own this <laughs> it's true i'm in a, i'm in my cafe and i've come to australia and i think i'm a big dog you know if i can say to my friends hey you know come come along come along to my cafe you know come along to my restaurant i'll get you get you a coffee uh get your we'll go out for lunch or whatever if I can go up to the chef, hey, can you put two eggs bennies on? I can go to the barista, hey, I'll have two cappuccinos, one latte, go back to the table and sit amongst my my friends or colleagues or, you know, whatever. All of a sudden, you know, these guys have rocked up to Australia. They've got a business. They've got a house. Now they're all of them. They don't. Have, they mm-hmm. never have to come into this cafe and do a one one day's worth of work, and it's all going to happen for them. So mm-hmm. you know, like if you were in the, if you were in a position where you've just come from India, don't really speak Indian, uh, uh, English very well, and you don't have a business in this country yet, and then within a couple of months you're a business owner, you're in a property, you have got a network of people that are Australian that like meeting us. 
that can open doors for you. Like you're kind of rolling, or like from the from the moment you get here, and you mm. and you're not having to do business with just other Indians or your own culture. You're actually doing business with Australians, and opportunities are kind of already instantly, you know, growing. And you know, at the end of that three four year period, that a business has taken care of itself, that will ensure you they they get their permanent residency, so they can stay in the mm. country for their family. So it's a it's a great deal, but it's a different mindset around driving a cafe's success. Is that you're not really looking for ones that can be be massive, uh, you know, eighty to you know over a hundred k a month businesses. Actually, it's really not that necessary. Just mm. over half over half a million, seven fifty, five hundred thousand to seven fifty, depending on rent. And what amount of staff you need to run these cafes? If you can sit within that that margin, man, these are these are the You're cafes to, to to grow in. Well, I think well done on you know creating people's Australian dream, you know, in a way. And like you're obviously doing this in a very different way, but a different way that's really working well, mate. So well done on just you know taking things taking things to another level in the cafe industry and 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 really doing things that are unique and are going to grow pardon the pun um i've really enjoyed today's podcast um what's the best way that other people can you know to uh learn about grow and then come and visit one of the locations um well we have a website growcafe.com go on them you can always probably facebook me or instagram me my email is zach growcafe.co z-a-c-h dot growcafe.co that's the easiest way the only thing i would love to have out there as part of this podcast also sean Mm -hmm. is our farm Mm -hmm. as much as doing a deal and making a hundred thousand dollars or more on selling a franchise is exciting I'll be brutally honest with you. The thing that just gets me the most excited is our business partner in a farm that we have on the Sunshine Coast where we're producing honey. So we've got over 20 hives, which means over each month, 20 times 30 is it's about 12 million, so 1.2 million bees that we have that currently live and die every month there. Wow. Kind of cool concept. Um, we've got... Uh, ginger that gets grown on that same property and then we're growing a lemon myrtle tea farm and well it's exciting for me because these are all kind of the it's a european bee sure but all these all these kind of if there's no bees on the world we would all die anyway so you know having having something that literally brings it back full circle where you actually are in the soil is kind of where it all just feels real good, you know, just feels real good knowing that that's where that's at. And uh, we'll, we'll in the next couple of months have a really cool uh, tea brand. It's going to be called, I, don't, I probably shouldn't say it in case anyone steals domain names and things like that, but it will be mm-hmm. an Aboriginal name. Um, nice. Uh, and it's really exciting because if you ever gone onto, I was just on a flight, um, you know, Qantas, for example, Jetstar, Virgin, 
they don't serve an, uh, an Australian coffee. They don't serve an Aboriginal tea or an Australian tea. True. Forget Australian tea, an Aboriginal tea. And they're saying, Qantas, spirit of Australia. And if you really meant that, you would know what the true spirit of Australia is, which is the Aboriginals that looked after this country for over 80,000 years and made it a, a such a beautiful place and kept it a beautiful place. I shouldn't say made it a beautiful place, but kept it so gorgeous and pristine. That's the real spirit. And then I don't know if you have ever traveled too many places, especially indigenous places, you'll feel something, especially if you've ever listened to a Yudaki, a didgeridoo. Uh, that's the real spirit. So for me, going into these to these uh, bigger brands and being able to have products that they can now serve on their on their planes and uh, hotels, and we'll we'll have brands for these guys to be a fully Aboriginal owned company. This this is exciting for me. But it doesn't matter whether you're Greek, Italian, Indian. It doesn't really matter which culture you come from. But there's a massive massive shortage of this. Australians doing brands that are Australian and bringing the real spirit of Australian in their brands out. And it's mm. just it, like all you need to do is go find land, go and grow something that's specific and go and push it. So that's a, that's exciting. It takes three years for these, for these trees to bring a really profitable yield every year. But um, after 12 months, it'll be okay business. Uh, but in in three years, it'll be a very profitable business growing these trees. I hope, I actually hope people steal my idea and go and grow a bunch of tea leaves that are indigenous. Um, I agree. I'm going to do it. We'll have over 3,000 trees in three years and over the next five years, potentially twelve to 20,000. Um, so it's exciting times um, on that level because, like I said, I'm a salesman. I'll get those products in the right places, whether it's on Coles, Woolies, hotels, airlines, selling over to, shipping over to China, whatever it may be to, to, to sell the volume that we'll be able to produce. But mm. I think this is where you need to be able to get to at some stage. Um, and well, for me, that's been the most exciting part around this whole hospitality game is going back into the soil. So maybe that's it. Leave it there. Well, thanks <laughs> Thanks for thanks for leaving us with that important message, and it's really good just to hear everything you're doing uh, for the industry, and obviously in agriculture, and linking that back, um, obviously to your heritage as well. Um, congratulations on all the great work you're doing, Zach. So, um, if you're uh, if you want to catch up with Zach, all the links to him are in uh, the show notes of this podcast. Zachariah Buckley, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Sean. Thanks again for tuning into another episode of Raw, brought to you by Lightspeed and the Poe Network. We hope you really enjoyed the episode and we'd love for you to leave us a review and share this podcast with your friends in the industry. It would mean a lot to us and we'd love to hear your feedback on this series. To find out more about Lightspeed and how they can ignite your business and hospitality, you can find them at lightspeedhq.com.au. 
Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. And until next time, stay well, everyone. <laughs>